listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. Sex and relationship advice you can use tonight. Welcome to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. I'm Jessica O'Reilly, your friendly neighborhood sexologist, here with my husband, Brandon Ware. Hey, everybody. How you doing? <laughs> like I'm expecting a response. And this... <laughs> This episode is brought to you by Desire Resorts. Desire Resorts has multiple properties on the Mayan Riviera, couples only, clothing optional, as well as cruises throughout Europe and beyond. Brandon and I will be heading to Desire Riviera Maya Pearl and Desire Riviera Maya. They're all mouthfuls in October. So check out the event calendar and we hope to see you down there. Now, Brandon and I are in Spain. We, uh, I was here for work, and now we're on a holiday, so you might hear some Spanish music in the background, maybe my dog. Wandering around the hotel room. Right. And um, today we wanted to talk about the concept of soulmates, because a number of people have talked to us recently about how they found their soulmate. And I always see this as a red flag, because my message is, stop looking for a soulmate. Stop expecting your partner to be your soulmate because you will never find a soulmate. And the concept of a soulmate, you know, the perfect partner who complements you on every possible level and completes all of your missing pieces, I believe this concept destroys relationships as well as dating lives. I think people are approaching dating and the dating game with ridiculous expectations that somebody will be there everything. Now, I've been saying this for years, and I think, Brandon, when I first told you I don't think you're my soulmate, you didn't react so positively. No, I don't think I did. I think the expectation growing up is that the person you end up marrying or that you want to marry is your soulmate. And this belief, if somebody were to say that to you when you haven't had a chance to really think deeply, otherwise, could be a little off-putting, perhaps. Well, I am off-putting when you first meet me. That's true. <laughs> well, there are a lot of things about me that are off-putting. But it just kind of throws you a bit of a curveball. Yeah. And so here's the thing. And maybe I should restate this. I don't believe you can find a soulmate. But I do believe you can become soulmates in a non-mystical sense of the word, if that exists. So first I want to talk about the statistical, they say improbability, but it's pretty much impossibility. I'm going to do some math now. Of finding the one. Yeah, Brandon's got his 10 fingers out. Put your toes away, they're gross. Yeah. Um, so from a mathematical standpoint, connecting with your one true soulmate in a world of 7 point, are we at 7.4 billion people? Yeah, it's a lot. It's many, many peoples. Many, many persons. <laughs> the statistical likelihood means that the odds are decisively stacked against you. So if we assume that even 75% of the population is dating age, which is pretty generous because most 20-year-olds aren't looking to be with a 45-year-old. And let's say you're only interested in half of them. Let's say that you you consider yourself straight or hetero. If you're bi, then your chances are even slimmer because you're looking at a bigger pool. But let's say you're hetero or gay. 
you have a one in something like two point, I don't know, six, five billion chance of finding the one. Those are those are pretty bad odds. I think you want to dispense with the fantasy of finding the one just based on math. Brandon looks really confused right now. I'm not confused at all. I'm actually thinking more so about the number of people that are unwilling to travel and the likelihood of finding your soulmate if you don't deviate much beyond a 100-kilometer radius of where you live. Yeah, and then what if they don't even speak your language? Or what if you don't have access to the funds to travel to find your soulmate? Right. Is that why you're here in Spain looking for your soulmate? I'm certainly not here for that. I'm here <laughs> I'm here for the tapas. I'm here for the queso, <laughs> for the cheese, for the manchego. So I think that if you want to improve your chances of finding not the one, but an exceptional one, someone with whom you can live almost happily ever after – you're going to be better off mathematically ditching the soulmate myth. And I see you as that, babe. I see you as a very exceptional one. Not the one, because I do think I could be with other people. And I guess that's a really scary thing to say and to hear. Yeah, I think people get uh, get their back up as soon as we start talking about this. Because over the years, the more I've thought about it, the more it has made sense to me that if uh, – I could have been with other people. I could have. I could have been happy with other people. I'm extremely happy with you. And I'm sure I could have been extremely happy with somebody else. But it's the idea that you have to work at a relationship to make it successful, to make it happy, um, to make it exceptional, as you've said. And I guess that's a really daunting thought that you could be exceptionally happy with someone else or I mean it's scary for me to think you could be just as happy with somebody else and I, I don't think I really want to believe that but I also accept that relationships are about finding someone with whom you can cultivate compatibility and I've talked about compatibility in the past not being about wanting the same things necessarily but about being willing to put in a similar amount of effort to meet one another's needs. That doesn't mean there aren't people with whom we're more compatible. Like I think if politically we were diametrically opposed, that would make us less compatible. Yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly. Right, We have to have some things in common, but I also do a lot of bending to be more compatible with you. And I don't see that as sacrifice. And I don't see that, I don't even know that I see it as compromise. I just see it as I can easily shift my behavior or perspective and that makes you happier and that makes me happier and I know that that's reciprocated from you. I also think that what really changed for me was the idea of wanting you to be happy in life and sometimes when you think about it, it's like if something were to happen to me, I would want you to be happy and I think that I hope that somebody else could fill you know, that void in your life from a relationship perspective if something were to happen. And I think when I started thinking about things from that perspective, it came, I mean, it, it's very easy to understand that, you know, there are other people in this world that could become your partner. Right. We, we've kind of talked about that before together that, you know, if, if one of us was to, to die, and that's a, another daunting thought, that probably we at our age spend more time thinking about than most people our age about death. But if something were to happen to me, I just want you to be happy. And if that meant being with someone amazing, then of course I want you to be with someone amazing. And if that person is 
in some or many or always more amazing than me, <laughs> uh, that's very scary. But of course, I want you to have that. Well, I mean, nobody's going to be funnier than I am, hmm. even though I'm not really funny on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so so I, I just wanted to get that out of the way. The mathematical mathematical standpoint suggests that you will never find a soulmate. But then I also wanted to talk about the ways in which your belief in destiny, in the notion that destiny's one true love will come and find you, that this belief creates really unrealistic expectations. And this belief and the associated unrealistic expectations, I believe, impede the development of happy, healthy, fulfilling relationships because reliance on the soulmate as a source of everlasting love is is harmful to the relationship itself. It comes with these messages like, oh, our love is unconditional. There's nothing that could break us. Well, the reality is that there are things that could break this relationship. Oh, in this relationship? You're asking me a question now? Absolutely. There, there are definitely things that could break this relationship. The other thing that I find interesting about this uh, soulmate perspective is the idea that you're unwilling to uh, work at the relationship if there are problems that arise because you default back to this idea that, well, if you're my soulmate, everything should just work out all the time. Sí, como que será, será. Yes, which, exactly. Which really is is absurd when you think about it, and that ties into love being unconditional. Uh, you can still care about somebody unconditionally, and I, I believe love is easy. I believe relationships are hard work. I don't think love is necessarily hard work, the feeling itself. But it isn't unconditional. You actually do need to invest in the relationship. And then these other thoughts that come with that are, oh, you complete me, or we're perfect for one another, or you just get me. And I think that as romantic thoughts, these beliefs, these statements are exciting and alluring and even comforting. Of course, it's comforting to think that you're going to love me no matter what. Um, I think in some ways they have the potential to enhance your connection, but I think as a foundation for a relationship in the real world, you're on very shaky ground. Because concepts like unconditional love, they do. They sound like a dream come true. Of course, you want a partner who loves you unequivocally. But the reality is that any relationship that is rooted in honesty and equality and respect, any of those, any relationship has conditions. I mean, that's unless you're a relationship anarchist, <laughs> which, which we learned about last week. Yeah, so you can go back and listen to Dr. Markey and Professor Neil talk about relationship anarchy. But most of us believe that we have to set negotiable expectations and rules and acknowledge these rules to establish a stronger foundation. And I believe that establishing this stronger foundation via expectations is going to be better than unconditionality ever will be. And then if we move on to like the feeling that your life is complete when you find your life partner, and uh, I think this is a passionate love belief. I don't think it's a lasting love belief. So when you first meet someone, they seem perfect. And it seems like, oh, if I just have this one person in my life, my life 
will be complete. But if you expect this one person to fulfill all of your needs, you're setting yourself up for inevitable letdown, right? I I think that's another really scary thing in relationships, the idea that you're my everything. Well, if you're my everything, why do I have friends? Why do I stay in touch with family? Why do I have children? Why do I have my little Pomeranian? Why do I travel? Why do I work? You're not my everything. You are the biggest part of my life, babe, but you're not my everything. Yeah, and I'm I'm not upset about that. I mean, for the longest time, I did fall into the, or the belief that I needed to fulfill all those different elements of your of our lives. Um, I needed to be your confidant. I needed to be, uh, you know, very good at doing different things, whether it was doing chores around our house, whether it was cooking, whether it was contributing, everything. And, and your friend and your lover and all of these things. And that, that after a while becomes very, very difficult to fulfill as things change over time. And Understanding that there are other people in your lives, in, in our lives, who are going to fill those some of those, I don't want to call them voids, but some of those aspects of our uh, relationship lives makes makes things a lot easier, makes it, makes it a more enjoyable relationship to be involved in where you're not constantly worried about falling short in some capacity. Yeah, we, I think we struggled with that in the earlier years of our relationship. And that feeling of falling short was something that we consistently ran into. And we had to realize that we can't do and be everything to one another. Yeah, I would like also going back to the idea of, of the soulmate. The, uh, my concern with this belief that the soulmate is the foundation of your relationship is I could see the problems with it, especially when people are unwilling to work at a relationship well, so-and-so did this, and because of that, we're not, maybe we weren't meant to be. Um, oh, well, you know, we were really, really happy at the beginning, and now we're not. Well, maybe we weren't meant to be. It's, it's this really easy or this willingness to, to kind of shirk responsibility and not be willing to work on your relationship. When I've, again, I feel like I've really learned and I continually learn every single day that, man, this relationship is a lot of work, and it takes... It, it takes a lot to make it function well, but when it works well and when you do invest the time and the effort, it enhances your life so much. Like it, it makes so many different parts of your life so much better. You're more effective with your friends. You're more effective at work. You're more, you're happier. You wake up with a smile on your face. You take things, you take the good and the bad um, with a stride. Like you, you, you kind of roll with things and you know that you've got somebody next to you who's going to support you and help you through the good and the bad and is also willing to work with you to get through some of these good and bad things. I guess you're not trying to get through the, the good things, but when things aren't so great, you know that you have somebody there and you have a support structure where somebody is going to, um, who's willing to listen to you. I just, I guess I'm going back to the idea that I think once you believe that your soulmate is this person who's supposed to be perfect 24-7, you're almost doomed for failure. Except you, you got lucky. Except, yeah, <laughs> except kidding, for me. Just kidding. Yeah. yeah, perfection is an absurd um, expectation. You're going to disagree. You're going to fight. You're going to struggle over the course of your relationship. But this doesn't mean that you're not meant to be together. And I see people give up on relationships, um, as Brandon said, because, oh, we weren't meant to be. 
Uh, and you can be meant to be with multiple people. You just decide to make it work with some. And I, I, maybe this goes back to something I'd like to talk about in an upcoming episode, which is excuses. And wait, all- wait, 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 wait. I, I, I have a reason for that. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Dad jokes. Dad jokes, yeah. I, but I think that what holds us back in life and in relationships is that we're constantly making excuses. Like we're saying, oh, but I have two kids or I have three kids or we both work or you have more money or everybody in the Western world is constantly looking at why their situation is harder than somebody else's. And I think to myself, dear God, there's people living in poverty without running water, without electricity who make this work. And you're sitting here complaining because you have, I, I don't know, one extra bill to pay or you have this to pay. And honestly, we need to stop making excuses and blaming other people. And so that's, yeah, we're going to do an episode on that coming up very soon. But to, to round out this discussion on soulmates, the other thing soulmates, people who believe in soulmates claim is that they have an unexplainable connection And they have the ability to know what the other is thinking and just get one another. And they say, well, then we must be soulmates. But this connection and this ability to communicate non-verbally is not a matter of mysticism or finding the right person. It's entirely explainable because as you spend time together, your thought and behavior patterns become predictable and yeah, it makes sense to take comfort in your partner's ability to understand you in a profound way or in unspoken ways. But leaning on the expectation of your partner to just get you really is more problematic than positive. And it can lead to unresolved conflicts and resentment because no relationship, no connection is deep enough to pave the way for mind reading. And that's why I think we need to renunciate this soulmate myth because it also sets unrealistic expectations. Like, well, you should just get me. No, you need to explain yourself to me in order for me to get you because you are weird. We're all weird folks. No, really. Like the things that set you off, Brandon, and the things that push your buttons, I never really understood until you explained them to me. Like I would joke around about certain things. I don't know if I, I can bring it up. I'm, but. I'm laughing right now. This idea of soulmates essentially sounds like every single sports sports team that was ever successful in winning um, a championship. You talk about knowing where the person is going to be, knowing their next thoughts. I'm like, think about any sports team. That's exactly what the top line will say. I just knew where they were going to be. Yeah, because you've seen them do it 200 times before. Yeah. So if that's the case, every single sports team has a whole starting lineup of soulmates. (laughs) They're all soulmates. (laughs) They're all soulmates. Um, so, so, you know, babe, I love you and I want to be with you for the rest of our lives and I want it to be a very long set of lives. But I do think that, uh, you're one of many people I could have made it work with. I'm committed to making it work with you. I understand that you're not perfect. (laughs) I feel a, a special connection with you, but I think it's because we've developed that connection, not because you're the one in seven billion I was supposed to be with. Uh, And I also understand that as well as I know you after all this time, the only way to really understand you and your needs and your thoughts and your feelings is if you share them with me. 
right? Because sometimes we do communicate really effectively and sometimes we don't. And again, you can see how all of this would snowball the idea that, well, if you're my soulmate, you should just know. And if you're my soulmate, then you should you should know what I'm thinking. You should know what I'm feeling. And then that person may not may not explain to their partner what they're really feeling and what they're thinking and how that just kind of exacerbates their belief that they're not the soulmate, they're unwilling to work, and the relationship deteriorates. Yeah, and there's another piece I wanted to mention that the soulmate myth can make for toxic relationships and I think oftentimes underpins abusive relationships. Mm -hmm. The notion that you only need me. You don't need your friends. You don't need your family. You just need me. We're all the other one needs to survive. And you sometimes see this in unhealthy relationships where one partner begins to isolate the other partner from their social support network. And I also think it makes us believe, well, if this is the one person I'm supposed to be with, maybe I need to put up with their poor treatment, with their bad behavior. And that's a really, really scary thing. So... Yeah, you certainly encourage me to have a lot of other interests. Yeah, does anyone do, want to be friends with Brendan? Want, anybody need a friend? Bre- Brendan needs a friend. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's I sound so cool. No, I'm just teasing you. But we do we certainly do have separate lives. I mean, we we spend a lot of time together and I enjoy it. I know you do too. I hope you do. I certainly think that you do. Yeah, it's a good five out of ten. It's a, you know, we're, I'm, a, I'm a solid, I'm a four to six, you know, I'm in that range. But anyway, the, the other thing that I certainly encourage you to do is to have your own life. And I know that you do the same for me. I'm like, I want you to go and have other groups of friends and to, you know, connect with other people. And, and I don't mean in a relationship, like in a sexual way or, in, in, you know, looking for another partner. But what I mean is just, it's important to have your own life. I think that that adds another element that strengthens our relationship. Yes. And one of my very first podcasts I ever did uh, focused on why you need to spend more time apart and how to navigate that. And that's a real battle in a lot of relationships. Uh, I see couples all over the world who basically one partner is unhappy with the amount of time the other partner is investing in the relationship. And it, and you know, some of them are able to talk it, talk it out and resolve that and others find themselves at an impasse. So you do need to find someone who with whom you're compatible in terms of expectation of time and I think talk about that from the from the onset. Now, before we wrap up, we kept this one a relative quickie because we are on vacation, we're off to the market now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, going to go and find ourselves some coffee. Some, yeah, and Valencia. We're down in Valencia actually, Valencia oranges. It's beautiful here. Yeah, and it's so funny because I, so I travel often for work, and I'm actually trying to be on vacation right now, which rarely happens. And I think everybody always thinks I'm on vacation because I'm always traveling. But if you've ever traveled for work, you know it's not a vacation. But this is a, I had a meeting in Barcelona, so we took a couple days off here. And everywhere I go in the world, I always joke that I have a cousin. Everywhere I go, I mean every city. And here in Valencia, you got I, six. I have a whole bunch. Is that how many? I don't know. You got a lot. Yeah, they're Chinese Jamaican. So we're we're from we're my family's from China originally. On my mom's side, we're Hakka Chinese, and then my great grandfather on one side went to Jamaica. So we've been in or great great. We've been in Jamaica for multiple generations. But anyhow, one of my mom's cousins from Jamaica of Chinese descent ended up over here in Spain. And so I have a whole bunch of 
cousins that I'm going to meet today for the first time in Valencia. So ev- everywhere I go, there's family. And I'm British. <laughs> so <laughs> all my family's in England. Yeah, I guess so. In Canada. Yeah, in England and Canada. So we're going to stop there. Uh, what I want to say, though, is if you're single, I want you to consider what you expect in a partner. And oftentimes people say things like, oh, I'm attracting the wrong type of partner, or I just seem to be running into these these guys or these girls who screw me around, or the dating game's really hard. And I want you to encourage yourself. I want I want to encourage you to take some responsibility here, right? Like you are the common denominator in all of these relationships. And I'm not saying that relationship failures are your fault at all. I'm saying though that you play a role, that the way people behave and the way you receive their behavior is is partly on you. And so I do think that in many, many, many cases, it's this underlying soulmate myth that's holding you back. So I want you to think about how you might let parts of that go. And if you do have a partner, um, I certainly want to remind you to ditch that soulmate myth, to know that perfection, that mysticism, that finding the one is mathematically impossible and harmful to your relationship. So if you can just treat relationships with the logical approach with which you treat everything else, you'll be much better off. You cannot read people's minds. They cannot complete your sentences accurately. They cannot be your everything. And there is no one way to effectively approach relationships. Sometimes people come to me and say like, well, shouldn't he be doing this? Can you tell her she's wrong? Can you tell him that this is what you said? And they sometimes like to take what I've said and what I think other um, prominent therapists perhaps have said and twist it to suit their own agenda. And the reality is that I can provide insight and perspective and I can share data, but I don't know your relationship and I don't know many of you. I know I've met some of you. But you have to figure out what works for you and your partner, and there is no one right approach. So you need to, I think, be a little bit more open to the fact that sometimes you're wrong, man. Sometimes you're not wrong in, like, the grand scheme of things, but sometimes you're wrong for your relationship. Sometimes you just have to do what your partner wants. Sometimes you have to realize that their way of doing things is also okay, even though it's not your way, even though it's not the way your family has done it. Be flexible. Yes, Roll with the punches sometimes, man. Don't do anything that compromises your core values, but but always sometimes stay out and have an extra drink. <laughs> and Brandon, you should be flexible. Brand- Sing that extra karaoke song, man. Oh my goodness. Brandon gets inflexible if I put his credit card in his wallet in the wrong spot. Oh yeah, no, for real, I do. They get lost, man. I got, <laughs> I got the memory. What I know it's not the same, but memory of a goldfish. So be flexible on some things and put your foot down <laughs> where it matters. Don't put my cards in the wrong spot my wallet otherwise I won't think I have any money is that what it is yeah Uh, anyhow I know I have to figure out what works for him and what doesn't and I know you do this now everyone thinks I'm a lunatic well a little bit (laughs) a little bit all right we got to run we've got orange juice and coffee to drink and cousins to meet thank you so much to at desire resorts please check them out ton of fun we're going to be there in October check the calendar online Brandon is at where in Toronto Brandon yeah, and oh shoot, at where in Toronto, Brandon? You think I'd know your Instagram handle? And I'm at Sex with Dr. Jess. Follow along. We'll be Insta storying mostly food adventures, nothing to do with sex and relationships. But sometimes you need a break from sex. 
Sometimes. I take my break today. You take your break? Yeah. <laughs> That's all right. All right, folks. Have a great week. We'll be back next Friday morning with a whole new episode. Ciao. You're listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. Improve your sex life. Improve your life. Improve your life.